Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Interactive Brookers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Boris Johnson survives as UK Prime Minister, but the question is, for how long? Russia bans dozens, including Janet Yellen and BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. Key primaries today in seven states, including California and New Jersey. And looks like buyer's remorse won't get Elon Musk out of his Twitter acquisition. New York Mayor Eric Adams reacts to new gun laws across the state. Plus, the U.S. warns North Korea of a strong punishment that conducts a nuclear test. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower at Sports. The Mets won in San Diego. Colorado has reached the Stanley Cup final. The Rangers play game four at Tampa Bay tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. And U.S. futures are lower this morning. 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures down 12 points. Dow futures down 104. NASDAQ futures down 48. And the 10-year Treasury up 630 seconds, yield 3.01%. Nathan. Karen, we'll have more on the markets in just a minute. First, we want to get you the latest on the future of Boris Johnson. The U.K. Prime Minister has managed to cling to power. Let's go live to London and get the very latest from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. A win for Boris Johnson. In a vote among lawmakers in his own Conservative Party, the UK Prime Minister has secured the numbers to remain as leader. But more than 40% of his colleagues indicated they had no confidence in his leadership. That was a worse result than that suffered by his predecessor, Theresa May. Under official party rules, he cannot now be challenged again for another 12 months. But rules can be changed, and many expect leadership questions to continue. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Now, the latest on the war, Russia has banned dozens of U.S. officials from entering the country. We get details from Bloomberg's Amy Morris in our 991 newsroom in Washington. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and BlackRock's Larry Fink are among the 61 U.S. officials and executives indefinitely banned by Russia, retaliation for what it called constantly expanding sanctions against its citizens. This as Ukraine is in talks with the United Nations to craft a deal between Turkey and Moscow to restart shipments of grain from ports blocked by Russia. Meanwhile, shortly after the U.K. joined the U.S. in pledging to send longer-range missiles to Ukraine, 
Russia's President Putin threatened to strike new targets if those weapons are delivered. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Turning to U.S. politics, it is a primary election Super Tuesday. Seven states, led by California and New Jersey, are heading to the polls for the busiest day of voting before the general election in November. Claremont McKenna College political scientist Jack Pitney has more on a major theme playing out in California. Crime and homelessness. If you talk to anybody who's recently visited Los Angeles, they'll be shocked at the homeless encampments all over the city. Uh, it's a huge humanitarian problem and one that the city government has not been able to manage very effectively. Claremont McKenna's Jack Pitney says it is affecting the Democratic race for Los Angeles mayor, pitting Congresswoman Karen Bass against tough-on-crime billionaire Rick Caruso. It is also fueling the race for attorney general in California. Two Republicans and a Republican-turned-independent are running to unseat Democratic incumbent Rob Bonta. As for congressional races, Republican David Valadeo is facing a tough primary challenge. He was one of the ten House Republicans who voted to impeach former President Donald Trump last year. Well, in New Jersey, Nathan, Republican contenders are hoping to crack the state's blue wall in today's primary. And Bloomberg's Michael Barr has the latest. Today's primary has a field of 35 GOP candidates, many aligned with former President Trump. However, the governor's seat and the legislature are controlled by Democrats, and the party holds 10 of the 12 congressional seats. One race to keep an eye on is New Jersey's 3rd District. Gym owner Ian Smith, who refused an order to close his business during the pandemic, is among three Republicans running against Democrat Andy Kim. The 3rd District is a politically divided area that voted for Trump by a narrow margin in the 2020 election. In New York, Michael Barr, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Michael, thanks. In corporate news, deal or no deal? Looks like Elon Musk's buyer's remorse will not get him out of his acquisition of Twitter. Let's get more on that live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita? Good morning, Nathan. Elon Musk is reviving his argument that Twitter has a serious bot problem, and he's threatening to walk away from the deal if the social media giant does not do more to prove that its users are real people. But Bloomberg sources say behind the scenes, the deal is still proceeding. Twitter thinks it's in the best interest of all shareholders and wants the to close the transaction. And it's possible that Twitter could try to sue Musk to complete the deal if he tries to walk away. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Apple out with new software and services at its Worldwide Developers Conference. Fresh features include an updated iPhone lock screen, multitasking for the iPad, and a pay-later service that brings Apples into the finance industry. We discussed the move with Creative Strategies President Carolina Milanesi from the event in California. I think the core of it is that it's going to be so much easier for people that use Apple Pay to just use that as a default versus using the plethora of other options that you have in the market. It's about integration. It's about taking away every little bit of friction that you have in the experience. Creative Strategies President Carolina Milanesi expects Apple's new pay-later features to be helpful for both small businesses and consumers. Turning to the economy, Karen, J.P. Morgan Chase Chief Economist Bruce Kassman says there's little chance a recession is imminent. I think what we're going to see is growth uh, continue to be on the softer side, but growth continue to show resilience. Uh, we don't see a near-term recession uh we see a global economy which actually does okay in the second half of the year with the U.S. slowing and the rest of the world doing somewhat better. J.P. Morgan Chase, Chief Economist Bruce Kassman's comments differ from his boss, Jamie Dimon. Last week, Dimon said investors should be ready for an economic hurricane as tighter monetary policy, inflation, and Russia's invasion of Ukraine pose ongoing risks. 
And futures are lower this morning. S&P futures down 17 points. Dow futures down 132. And NASDAQ futures down 68. 10-year Treasury up 6.30 seconds. The yield 3.01%. And the yield on the two-year 2.71%. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, thanks, Karen. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 63 degrees in Central Park. Already have an accident southbound Major Deegan at Fordham Road. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr is back with us for a look at what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed new gun reform legislation into law three weeks after 10 people were killed in a mass shooting at a Buffalo supermarket by a self-proclaimed white supremacist. The bills will include banning anyone under the age of 21 from buying or possessing a semi-automatic rifle, as well as expanding current red flag laws to keep guns out of the hands of, quote, dangerous people. It just keeps happening. Shots ring out, flags come down, and nothing ever changes, except here in New York. During the signing in Buffalo, Governor Hochul says New York legislators made the decision to be leaders when it comes to gun reform rather than followers waiting on Washington. Mayor Adams praised the new gun laws in the state. The New York mayor says, though, that more needs to be done to properly prosecute the criminals who commit the crimes because he says criminals know they won't face proper consequences. No one takes criminal justice seriously anymore. These bad guys no longer take them seriously. They believe our criminal justice system is a laughing stock. Mayor Adams also says they have taken 3,000 guns off the streets. A bipartisan group of lawmakers in Congress is trying to find common ground and pass new gun control legislation. Democratic negotiators say a deal could be completed this week. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut. Parents are scared. Kids are scared that they need progress. They need us to show that we care about what uh, kids are going through, um, and I'm hopeful that we'll get a deal. Senator Murphy says the proposals include enhanced background checks. The U.S. warned North Korea of a strong punishment if it conducts a nuclear test. It comes as Washington and the United Nations watchdog agency have said signs indicate Pyongyang could soon set off its first atomic device since 2017. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 509 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stasha. Good morning, Nathan. The Mets have the best record of the National League. They just split a four-game series with the Dodgers, who have the NL second-best mark. Mets are now in San Diego. Padres owners of the third-best record. Mets took the series opener 11-5. to Three runs in the first inning, four in the ninth. Eduardo Escobar, the hitting hero, four hits, including the home run. He drove in six runs. Carlos Carrasco struck out 10, improved to 7-1. Yankees go for their major league leading 40th win tonight at Minnesota. They face ex-Yanks Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Rangers now up two games to one of game four at Tampa Bay tonight. We know who the winner of the series will play for the Stanley Cup. Held back from the car. Let's it go. Tipped on. Rebound. Score! It's our Terry Lekkinen! And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this party is 
Over. That's KKSE in Denver. The call, the Avs 6-5 overtime win at Edmonton and capped a four-game sweep. First time Colorado has reached the Stanley Cup final since 2001. The Bruins fired their coach, Bruce Cassidy. He got them to the playoffs six straight years. Phil Mickelson's first comments in four months. He hasn't been playing golf. Says he needed time off, but Mickelson made official that he is going to play the new Saudi-backed Live Tour that starts next month in London. Mickelson said he's hopeful he can still also play PGA Tour events. He told Sports Illustrated his gambling has been reckless and embarrassing and that he's been in therapy to try and deal with it. It was reported that he once had $40 million in gambling losses. Greg Norman runs the Live Tour, says he Tiger Woods was offered a nine-figure amount to play, but he said no. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. you got S&P futures moving lower now by 17 points. Dow futures down 137. NASDAQ futures down 69 points. Ten-year treasuries up 7.30 seconds with yield 3.01%. Yield on the two-year 2.71. The pound trading at 1.2498 against the dollar after Boris Johnson survives a confidence vote in the U.K. Parliament, but just barely. Look at what's next for the future of Boris Johnson with Lizzie Burden of Bloomberg News. Coming up next. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly to mostly sunny today with highs in the upper 70s. Showers and storms likely tomorrow with a high near 80. Those storms will end during the morning Thursday with a high near 80 degrees once again. Currently 64 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks are falling with U.S. stock index futures as central banks set on tightening policy fan growth fears. The dollar's advancing, bond yields stabilizing. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 18 points. Dow futures down 134. NASDAQ futures down 70. The DAX in Germany is down nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year treasury of 8.30 seconds yield 3%. The yield on the two-year, 2.71%. NYMEX crude oil is falling down six-tenths percent or 69 cents at $117.86 a barrel. COMEX gold up a third of a percent or $6.20 at $18.49.90 an ounce. The euro, 1.0685 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2502. The yen is at 132.64. And Bitcoin this morning, it's down almost 6% at $29,600. As a Bloomberg Business Flash, now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. South Korea and U.S. militaries flew 20 fighter jets over waters off South Korea's western coast today in a show of force as a senior U.S. official warned of a forceful response if North Korea goes ahead with its first nuclear test explosion since 2017. Age limits and red flag laws are being discussed in Washington as a bipartisan group of senators looks for ways to curb the outbreak of gun violence in the nation, strengthening background checks also on the table. NHL playoffs, the Avalanche beat the Oilers to advance to the Stanley Cup final. Colorado will face either the Rangers or the Lightning, who play game four tonight. In baseball, the Mets and Red Sox won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It is 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's get more now on our top story this morning. Boris Johnson lives to see another day as U.K. Prime Minister. But after just getting by a confidence vote from his fellow conservatives, the question now is, 
How many more days will he live to see? Bloomberg Television correspondent Lizzie Burden uh, joins us now with more on this. She is live from just outside the uh, prime minister's residence at number 10 Downing Street. Lizzie, good morning. That is the big question of the day. How much longer is this going to be uh, Boris Johnson's residence, given uh, just how uh, close the margin was uh, among his conservatives? Good morning, Nathan. Yeah, I'm outside number 10 Downing Street in the cabinet meeting in there as we speak. This vote was the culmination of months of discontent over the Partygate scandal, the cost of living crisis. And it's a year now until another vote like this can happen again. So Johnson's team come out guns blazing, saying he wants to draw a line under Partygate. But just look at the history books. Remember, Theresa May, Margaret Thatcher, his predecessors, lasted just six months and a day, respectively, having won their own confidence vote. And this is actually a larger rebellion than they faced in 2018. And there were more rebels last night than Johnson's working majority in the House of Commons, clearly including some that were on the government payroll. So they may try to stall the government's legislative agenda. Johnson may try to strengthen his hand by reshuffling his cabinet, but it's unlikely to be back to business as usual for this government. Yeah, when you see just how uh, narrow the victory was, I mean, just how divided does this leave Boris Johnson's conservative party? I mean, how can he rally the party together, uh, given where things stand right now? Yeah, this is what's most worrying for him, because the, the rebellion was so disparate. It was young, old, north, south, left, right, Brexit, remain. It's not just one faction of the Conservative Party rebelling to be changed. And that is why this vote came out of nowhere as a surprise almost. The list of runners and riders to replace Boris Johnson is circulating. You've got ex-Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt, current Foreign Secretary Liz Truss. They're the biggest names floating at the moment. So um, with this cabinet meeting now underway, Lizzie, uh, you mentioned some of the potential names that could be vying to succeed Johnson here. Could we be looking potentially at uh, cabinet resignations following this vote? Uh, potentially, but at the moment, the big names are uh, declaring their loyalty to Boris Johnson. The, the big risk, uh, which would be a huge surprise, would be if Boris Johnson calls a general election now. It would be a big gamble for him, but really that's all the market care about at this point. The other thing that they're looking ahead to are the local elections on June the 23rd. You've got one in the southwest of England, one up north in Wakefield. Both have pretty sordid backdrops. You've got uh, the uh, MP in the southwest uh, was found watching pornography in the House of Commons. The one of the north was convicted for sexual assault. And these backdrops do not make Partygate look good. Uh, Both seats the Conservatives are expected to lose, but interestingly, it should be less bruising personally for Boris Johnson now that he's got the vote of confidence behind him. Got about a minute left here, Lizzie. Uh, As you know, uh, Boris Johnson has managed to weather scandals in the past. Uh, Does this one seem different, the Partygate scandal? This is why Boris Johnson has been given the moniker the Greased Piglet, the Teflon man, able to come out of these uh, scandals and crises, smiling and spinning them as he's going to carry on. But this seems like a very different moment. You heard the booze as he was walking up the steps to St. Paul's Cathedral for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee service over the weekend. The same booze that his MPs will have heard 
they will his, his, his their constituents will have been at street parties over the weekend for the jubilee and heard the discontent among their constituents and the fact that 40 percent of his mps have voted against him show that they do not believe he is the electoral asset he was in 2019. Thanks for this, Lizzie. Good to have you on with us this morning. Lizzie Burden, Bloomberg Television, UK government correspondent, joining us live from just outside Number 10 Downing Street, where, as Lizzie mentioned, uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is holding a cabinet meeting after just barely surviving that confidence vote with uh, 211 of his fellow conservatives uh, voting to keep him in office, but 148 voting against a much thinner margin than past confidence votes that uh, led to departures for predecessors Theresa May and even Margaret Thatcher uh, when you look back at UK history. Thanks again for joining us, Lizzie, this morning. S&P futures right now down 15 points. Dow futures down 117. NASDAQ futures are lower by 61 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 8.30 seconds. The yield 3.01%. And the yield on the two-year right now, 2.71%. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunshine today with a high near 80 degrees. We'll see showers and storms tomorrow with a high near 80. Those showers and storms will end during the morning Thursday. Right now, 63 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with the latest on the future of Boris Johnson. The U.K. Prime Minister has managed to cling to power, surviving a confidence vote last night. I'm grateful to colleagues. I'm grateful for uh, the support they've given me. And Boris Johnson's leadership was uncertain due to scandals and political challenges. The so-called pandemic party gate events in Downing Street angered citizens, along with a cost-of-living crisis and tax increase. After the result, Johnson said it was time to get back to helping people in the U.K. We have a conclusion uh, to something that's been dragging on for far too long, and we have the ability now to unite, deliver, and get on with the people's priorities, and that is what we're going to do. Boris Johnson received 211 votes in a confidence motion and 148 against him. Well, turning to the war in Ukraine, Karen, Russia has banned dozens of U.S. officials from entering the country, while Ukraine is looking for ways to restart grain exports from ports that have been blocked by Russia's military. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and BlackRock CEO Larry Fink are among those now banned from Russia. Well, back in the U.S., Nathan, we're watching primary races in New Jersey and California. Crime is in focus in the Los Angeles mayoral race, as well as San Francisco's district attorney recall election. And there are some tight house races in New Jersey. There are also primaries tonight in five other states. Now to markets, Karen. European stocks fell with U.S. futures as tightening policy fans growth fears. The European Central Bank is set to curb asset purchases this week and move toward exiting years of negative interest rates. Meanwhile, in Asia, stocks were mixed as investors 
investors assess the impact of a jump in Treasury yields. And in corporate news, Nathan, deal or no deal? It looks like Elon Musk's buyer's remorse will not get him out of his acquisition of Twitter. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Elon Musk is reviving his argument that Twitter has a serious bot problem, and he's threatening to walk away from the deal if the social media giant does not do more to prove that its users are real people. But Bloomberg sources say behind the scenes, the deal is proceeding, and it's possible that Twitter could try to sue Musk to complete the deal if he tries to walk away. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. S&P futures down 12 points this morning. Dow futures down 95. NASDAQ futures down 52. And the 10-year Treasury up 730 seconds. Yield 3.01%. Yield on the two-year, 2.71%. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Six thirty-three on Wall Street, sixty-three degrees in Central Park. Got a crash in the southbound Harlem River Drive at the GWB. Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael, thank you very much, Nathan. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed new gun reform legislation into law three weeks after ten people were killed in a mass shooting at a Buffalo supermarket by a self-proclaimed white supremacist. The bills will include banning anyone under the age of twenty-one from buying or possessing a semi-automatic rifle as well as expanding current red flag laws to keep guns out of the hands of, quote, dangerous people. No 18-year-old can walk in on their birthday and walk out with an AR-15. Those days are over. Those days are over. You hear that? Those days are over. Governor Hochul, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who praised the state's new gun law, says his city has also seen a rash of gun violence, but that police have been working to find those responsible. But Adams says that more needs to be done to properly prosecute the criminals who commit the crimes. If we do the work to get it to the grand jury, to get that indictment, to make the arrest, then the other team must do their part. The courts have to prosecute. Mayor Adams says so far they have taken about 3,000 guns off the streets. Age limits and red flag laws are being discussed in Washington as a bipartisan group of senators looks for ways to curb the outbreak of gun violence in the nation. Democratic Representative Chris Murphy of Connecticut. My goal is to reach an agreement by the end of the week. Um, We've got more Republicans and Democrats sitting together than ever before since Sandy Hook. What we're talking about is substantial. Um, It will save lives. Representative Murphy says strengthening background checks is also on the table. U.S. prosecutors have strengthened charges against five members of the right-wing extremist group, the Proud Boys. They've added seditious conspiracy for actions they took in advance of the deadly January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. John Stashauer has the Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan, the Mets' third straight win out west after two in L.A. They won in San Diego 11-5 to as Eduardo Escobar had four hits, including a two-run homer. He had six RBIs. Carlos Carrasco, ten strikeouts in seven innings. He's now... 7-1, and one, and the Mets at 38-19 and 19 have won two-thirds of their game. Yankees winners of their last six play tonight at Minnesota, Battle of AL Division leaders. Red Sox won one nothing to move over 500. Michael Waka 
bested Noah Syndergaard. It's the Angels' 12th loss in a row. The Colorado Avalanche will play for the Stanley Cup. They have been dominant in the West. 12 wins, only two losses. They finished a sweep of Edmonton, winning a wild game four, 6-5 on a goal a minute 19 into overtime. Have scored four times in the third period. This will be their first cup final since they won the cup in 2001. They'll play either the Rangers or the Lightning. Tampa Bay just won game three, cutting the Ranger lead to 2-1. Yesterday, Rangers coach Gerard Gallant looked ahead to tonight's game four. You know, you got to get ready for one game at a time, as I always say, and, uh, you know, tomorrow's a huge game for us. we got to compete and we got to battle. we got to play a little grittier than we did last game. But uh, there was a lot of good things, and, you know, keep playing our game, keep working hard, and... Uh, like I said, it's 2-2 two, two, or it's 3-1, so we'll see where it goes. And the Rangers win on the road. In the playoffs, they're 8-1 and one at home, but they're just 2-6 and six away from the Garden. Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams have locked up their star on defense. A reworked deal with Aaron Donald where he's now guaranteed $95 million over the next three years. That's the most for a non-quarterback. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Thank you, John. It is 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Sales begin this week at a long-stalled Manhattan condo project. New developers hope to move ahead after a name change. The West Chelsea project is being rebranded as One High Line, a nod to the park that crosses over the site. A hotel near the heart of Times Square is set to reopen after closing two years ago. The latest sign that investors are betting on the neighborhood's comeback. Sources tell Dow Jones, Apollo Global, and New Bond Holdings have agreed to buy the Hilton Times Square for about $85 million. New York employers statewide would have to provide a pay range in job ads under legislation headed to Governor Kathy Hochul's desk. The bill would impose salary disclosure requirements similar to those recently enacted in New York City and Washington State. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's just about 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potusk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about Fisher-Price joining the rest of Mattel in its Playback Toy Take-Back program to reuse toy-making materials. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Nursing homes are facing closure from staffing shortages. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm reporting that Apple unveiled a bunch of new software features and services at its Worldwide Developers Conference, including a Buy Now, Pay Later feature. I'm Caroline Hepcom, Bloomberg DAB, Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on the pressure on Boris Johnson after 148 of his own party's MPs voted against him in a challenge to his leadership of the Conservative Party. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting a developer has paid $4.5 million to buy the United Church of Christ's longtime headquarters in downtown Cleveland. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. The West has united in opposition to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The developing world, not so much. Instead, many governments in Africa, Asia, and Latin America have made a point of not taking sides. Such countries see the war in Ukraine as a proxy fight between Moscow and Washington, one where they have little at stake. The U.S. must persuade them that their interests would be better served by aligning with the West. 
It can start by offering prompt and generous support for countries struggling with war-related food and energy disruptions. It should also improve its messaging, for example, by framing the conflict not as a campaign to punish an autocratic Russia, but as an effort to aid Ukraine's fight for self-determination. A powerful nation started this war by scorning sovereign borders. That's a threat all countries, regardless of wealth, can recognize. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures down 15 points. Dow futures are lower by 118. NASDAQ futures down 65 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 630 seconds. The yield 3.01%. Yield on the two-year 2.71%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine in upper 70s today, showers and storms and a high near 80 tomorrow. Those showers and storms will end during the morning Thursday with a high near 80 degrees once again. Currently 63 in Central Park. Markets, headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app and at Bloomberg Quick Tape. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks falling along with U.S. stock index futures as central banks set on tightening policy fan growth fears. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 19 points this morning. Dow futures down 135. NASDAQ futures down about 76. The DAX in Germany is down nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 6.30 seconds. Yield 3.01 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 2.71 percent. Comex crude oil is down a third of a percent or 41 cents at $118.08 a barrel. Comex gold up a third of a percent or $6 at $18.49.70 an ounce. The euro 1.0685 against the dollar. British pound 1.2506 and the yen 132.68. And Bitcoin this morning is falling down about 6% at $29,560. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. A bipartisan group of Senate says a new nationwide gun legislation could come by the end of the week. It would likely center around a proposal that includes enhanced background checks. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson survived a no-confidence vote, securing enough support from his Conservative Party to remain in office. Johnson faced revelations that he held parties that flouted the COVID-19 restrictions. In the NHL playoffs, the Avalanche beat the Oilers to advance to the Stanley Cup final. Colorado will face the Rangers or the Lightning who play game four tonight. In baseball, the Mets and Red Sox won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks for coming up to 549 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm what you could call a primary Super Tuesday Voters are heading to the polls in seven states, led by New Jersey and California, making this the busiest day of voting before uh, everyone heads to the polls in the general election coming up on November 5th. Bloomberg government congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick is with us now from our Bloomberg 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C. We'll look at some of the races to watch this morning. Jack, good to have you with us. Let's move uh, east to west just for fun and start New Jersey 
because we've got uh, quite a lot of Republicans running in what had been a uh, fairly strong uh, blue state uh, in the Garden State. Yes. Well, you know, the anticipation that this is going to be a, a strong year for Republicans probably plays into that. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, this isn't just about running statewide. Uh, you know, New, New Jersey's got districts that are very competitive. Uh, if you're looking toward the general election, uh, Tom Malinowski and Josh Gottheimer are some obvious targets for Republicans. It's going to be interesting to see who wins the uh, Republican primary against. Gottheimer, there may be a, a rematch with the investment banker Frank Pallotta that Gottheimer had previously beat. There's another uh, candidate, a Marine Corps veteran, Nick Dick Gregorio, running. Uh, Malinowski looks to have a, a rematch with someone he previously beat. But of course, 2022 is not 2020. Uh, it's a much more challenging atmosphere for Democrats. And uh, yeah, if you were a Republican considering running in a, a swing district, now would be the time to do it, including in a blue state like New Jersey. How much is redistricting playing into uh, how Republicans feel about their chances in New Jersey? Uh, you know, that can be challenging. All over the country, there are, there are areas where, in some cases, the, the numbers in the partisan breakdown changes, but it can also be a challenge for people who are representing just new, uh, new constituents. Um, and, and if you, if you need to win over people who you haven't had a previous, uh, representation relationship with, uh, then that, that can be a challenge, even if it doesn't entirely change uh, the the trajectory of a, a swing district. You know, there in New Jersey, that's been a factor. There were uh, members sort of bumping up against each other. It's an issue in some of the California races as well, where uh, there are some members who, who are facing largely new districts. Um, but really, I think the overriding factor is, especially for Republicans, the expectation that uh, these midterms are going to be a, a really strong showing for Republicans. Since you mentioned California, let's go there because uh, one race to watch in particular uh, is a, a Republican who was one of the few who voted to impeach former President Trump last year. Yes, uh, David Valadeo, who's a really interesting person to watch. He lost in 2018. He won in 2020. He's one of the six Republicans in the House to vote to impeach uh, the the then President Donald Trump. Uh, it's a little surprising there hasn't been more pushback from Trump on him. There are a couple Republicans running against him. There's a self-funding cattle rancher. Uh, there's an immigrant who owns a salon uh, from Portugal. Uh, there, there, there's a push from Republicans, yes, but it's not something that Trump himself has been very vocal on. Uh, and it may be even more interesting when it gets to the general election because he represents an area that largely, uh, went for Biden by, uh, you know, more than a, a 10 percentage point, uh, swing. Uh, of course, stronger year for Republicans, yes, but, uh, th this is actually one of the few cases in which Democrats would at least to like to make an attempt to unseat a Republican. In the no, less than a minute left here, Jack. Uh, but law and order looks like it's playing as a major theme in California in the uh, Los Angeles mayor's race, as well as an effort to recall the district attorney in San Francisco. 
Yeah, I, you've got a, a progressive district attorney, Chesa Bodan, uh, in San Francisco, San Francisco, who faces, uh, a recall election. Part of that, you know, the, the easy, uh, route to getting a recall election in California plays into that. There hasn't been a massive amount of polling, uh, but it, it does sort of raise the specter of maybe a, a pushback in recent years in local candidates who have not gone exactly the, the law and order route. You look at Eric Adams, Winning in New York, uh, it's it's a little bit of a more challenging time for the progressive Democrats uh, who are looking to be more reform-minded about incarceration, uh, even in a place like San Francisco. All right, Jack Fitzpatrick of Bloomberg Government with a preview of the uh, primary election races happening across the country, Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 5.53 on Wall Street, and it's time now for the Bloomberg Law Report, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now to a legal story we're following this morning. Another weekend of gun violence has at least nine people dead in mass shootings in Pennsylvania, Virginia, Arizona, and South Carolina. While a bipartisan group of lawmakers are looking for solutions on gun violence, the last time Congress even came close to passing substantial gun reform was in the wake of the Sandy Hook massacre in 2012. So some states like New York and California are stepping into the void. New York's Governor Kathy Hochul signed a packet of gun control bills into law on Monday, three weeks after the mass shooting in a Buffalo supermarket. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Second Amendment expert Adam Winkler, a professor at UCLA Law School. I was surprised to read that in 2003, Vermont was the only state that allowed residents to carry handguns in public without a permit. Since then, legislatures in half the states have removed permitting requirements, mostly involving concealed firearms. So is the battleground in the states? Well, the battleground over gun reform has been in the states for the last 10 years or so. Ever since the federal government failed to act after Newtown, Gun safety reform advocates have turned their attention to the state to try to get legislation to close up some of the loopholes in federal law at the state level. So states like California and New York, for instance, have passed legislation over the last 10 years doing things like making universal background checks the norm in those states, restricting high-capacity magazines or restricting military-style rifles. We have seen states take up the mantle of gun reform, and I think we're likely to see that continue. I know that California lawmakers are pondering a set of new pieces of gun legislation, new gun reforms that would make it easier, for instance, to sue gun makers when their firearms are used to commit mass murder. The difficult thing at the state level is that you have a large number of states that are very strongly pro-gun. And if anything, they're likely to loosen their laws, as we've seen happen in state after state. I want to go to the idea of raising the age to buy a gun from 18 to 21. Republican Congressman Jim Jordan has said that that's unconstitutional. It's not clear that it would be unconstitutional to raise the gun age. Of course, the Supreme Court hasn't said anything about that. There was recently a case out of the Ninth Circuit that did say that California's effort to raise the gun age for purchasing various kinds of semi-automatic centerfire rifles was unconstitutional. 
And the Ninth Circuit judge argued that this was unconstitutional because the founders relied on 18-year-olds to be members of the militia and so trusted them with firearms. I nonetheless think there are good reasons to raise the gun age and have argued for doing so in the past. Part of the problem with arming people who are between the ages of 18 and 20 is that brain development is not that advanced when it comes to issues like understanding long-term consequences of behavior, resisting impulsive behavior. And that part of the brain, scientists have told us, isn't fully developed until about the age of 25. And that's Adam Winkler, a professor at UCLA Law School, speaking with the Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. And Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Osage County, Oklahoma, is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth, and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.